Over these Sundays, we are going back to the beginning of the Bible. We're going back to the very beginning of this world and universe that we live in. And we're discovering how these three chapters, these first three chapters of Genesis, lay the foundations for all that we know and believe about our, our world, our place in this world, all that we believe and all that we know about ourselves and each other. And so, this is very important stuff. It is, as the, the title of the, the series suggests, it is foundational. And so, we need to take our time and think carefully about what God is telling us in this part of His Word. And last week, there was a fair bit of background to the, the sermon and the series just because of the nature of what we're looking at and what we're thinking about. And as we start today, I want to say a few other things by, by way of background information, a few other things about this series at the beginning. And first of all, I want to say about what this series will not be. That's important, that this series will not be a science lecture, and nor will it be a rant against science. We have scientists here today, and we're very thankful to God for them and their big brains, the kind of brains that think at times in different ways, certainly ways in which I am unable to think. So, you won't hear much in this series about dinosaurs and fossils and that kind of thing. And you can find some excellent resources that go much deeper into the precise details of creation and how what we read in Scripture can be reconciled to scientific discovery and all of those important matters. And we will mention those along the way, and I will try and point people in the direction of good resources. The second thing that I want to say is that we will not be putting some of the sermons in this series online. And that's not because I'm in any way ashamed or embarrassed by Scripture. Absolutely not. It's not because I'm embarrassed about anything that might be said during this series. And given what we were thinking about last week, it is certainly not because I'm in fear of being canceled, whatever that means. No, this is a matter of wisdom rather than fear, because we know that the evil one is active in this world. We know that we need to be wise to his schemes, and it takes just one person to, to stumble upon our service recorded and appearing online, or one person to actively seek it out, as has been the case in other places, in order to make trouble for the church of Jesus Christ. And I simply do not want to bring that trouble our way as a congregation. And so, I want to say in particular, and I don't know which camera it is, but to those who will be listening to or watching this sermon, the recording of this at a future stage, please understand why we will not be releasing some of the sermons in this series online. And then the final 
thing by background to say is that we will always be keeping a view on what lies ahead as well as what happened at the beginning. That's so important. So that during this series, we'll also think about what the Bible tells us about the new creation, the new heaven and earth, which God will establish and where His people in Christ will reign with Jesus forever. And so, I hope that you'll be able to see that even as we go right back to the start of Genesis, there is there a looking ahead to Jesus, and this is gospel that we are reading and hearing together. And with all of that in mind, let's recap on what we discovered last week. And we did not make much progress in terms of the actual text in Scripture. We only made it as far as the opening four words of Genesis and the Bible, these first four words of the Bible that are foundational truth, Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God. So, remember that all that we go on to read in the Scriptures is founded on and flows from these four words, that everything begins with God, that He preceded that He was before the universe, that He stands apart from His creation, He is separate from it, that He is outside of time and space, for He is the one who brought time and space into existence. And so, based on what we read last time in Genesis 1 verse 1 and the other parts of the Bible that we considered alongside it, if we were to try and draw a timeline today. If we looked first of all at God, we, we see that God is infinite, that He is eternal. In fact, it is, despite what you see on the screen behind me, impossible to draw a timeline that fully conveys the eternal nature of God because we simply would not have the space to accommodate that line. That's deep stuff. But by contrast, the world that we live in, the world that we are part of, is not eternal. It has a fixed duration because it has a beginning in the beginning, and it will have an end. As we, we saw in Scripture last week in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But then when it comes to us, well, we are not eternal. We had a, a starting point. We have, as people made by God, a beginning. But then as the pinnacle of God's creation, as those made in God's image, we have immortal souls. So that when this life finishes, that will not be us ceasing to exist. And for that reason, we should all have a real concern about the destiny of our soul. That is so important. And so, with all of that in mind, to map out where we're going over today and next week, in the time that remains today, we're going to look up to verse 25, and then we're deliberately stopping there so that next week we will specifically consider the creation of man in verses 26 to 31. But in the time that remains today, let me leave you with some foundational truths 
that are led out in the creation account of Genesis 1. We today do not have the time, and we're not going to start to look systematically at every verse between verse 1 and verse 25. Instead, let's consider these foundational truths that Genesis 1 presents to us. And the first one is this, that God is the creator of everything. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the presence of those two words, heavens and earth, in verse 1, is what's technically known as a merism, as an M-E-R-I-S-M. It's a literary device that takes two polar opposites to indicate everything that is in between, to indicate the whole thing. So, I might say, I searched my house high and low for my keys. It doesn't mean that I went up the stairs and I looked at the ceiling and I came down the stairs and I looked at the carpet. It means that I searched the whole house. I looked everywhere. If something's popular, I might say, people are talking about it from Coleraine to Cork. It doesn't mean that a very precise section of the population who live either side of all of the roads that run from Coleraine to Cork are talking about it I mean the whole of this island, everyone who lives on this island, north and south. And so, in verse 1, the heavens and the earth are the polar opposites that encompass everything in between, the whole of the universe, everything. And this truth, which is asserted in verse 1, is repeated and expanded on many times elsewhere in Scripture. For example, when the New Testament writers talk about Christ's involvement in creation, and that's something that we'll think about throughout this series, so that at the beginning of His gospel in John chapter 1 verse 3, John says of the Lord Jesus that through Him all things were made. Or elsewhere in Colossians 1.16, that verse that we started our worship with today, the Apostle Paul, again speaking of Christ, says of Him, for in Him all things were created. So, we get no sense that God kick-started things and then it all unfolded from His initial activity. God's revelation to us about Himself is that He created everything. That's the first thing. That's the first foundational truth. But then the second foundational truth that is presented to us in this chapter is that God's creation had structure and order. And what we get to understand from the whole of Scripture is this amazing truth, this mind-blowing truth that God created from nothing. That's indicated by the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 11 verse 3. The writer puts it like this, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's the key phrase. Let me repeat that. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
So it's not a case that God created the universe out of something that was already there. That the very materials out of which the universe was created were themselves brought into existence by God. And note the way in which He did that. They were brought into existence by God's voice. Because in chapter 1, if you scan down through that chapter, you'll see on each day of creation it begins with, and God said. They were brought into existence by God's voice and by His Spirit, so that as early as verse 2, there is reference made to God's Spirit. And theologians, as they explain this, they refer to this as creation ex nihilo. That means creation out of nothing, as opposed to creation ex materia, that is creation from pre-existing material. And so, as I was saying to the kids, we have this amazing capacity as people who have been created in God's image to have creativity within us. That is one of the, the things, that is one of the, the consequences of being made in the image of God. But we need to say that it is not true creation in the way that God created everything, because we need materials from which to make something. A sculptor like my brother-in-law, Matthew, needs material to sculpt from. He cannot bring about a sculpture from nothing. And God made the very building blocks from which He brought creation into being. Those building blocks, those foundational elements of creation referred to in Genesis 1 are time in the beginning. There's space and matter, which are scientifically measurable things. And in the creation account of Genesis 1, we see an orderly creation. Space is separated into water, land, and sky. So, there is no sense of chaos in how God brings creation into being. In fact, we begin to see God's intention behind creation. That is to fill what had been nothing. Because if you look down through this creation account, and you'll note this, He fills the sky with birds. He fills the sea with living creatures. He fills the land with livestock and wild animals. And then finally, and we'll come to this in greater detail next week, He creates a man and a woman he blesses them and He instructs them in verse 28, be fruitful and increase in number. And what is it that He says? Fill the earth. Now, we'll come back to this in just a moment, but the very way in which the Lord God goes about creation is good news for us. And that's the final foundational truth that we're presented with here in Genesis 1, and that is that God's creation was good, so that there is this repeated phrase in the creation account. If you scan down through Genesis chapter 1, it occurs in verses 10, 12, 18, 21, 24. 
and God saw that it was good. And we're given God's conclusion towards the end of the chapter in verse 31, as he surveys all of his creation, we're told God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And yet, we look at our world today, and while there is much to amaze us and lots of really good things, this morning, outside, I saw a heron just do this low pass straight over my head, down, swooping down into the burn, the Connor burn, all of this stuff every day that just amazes us about the creation that we live in and are part of. While there is so much to amaze us, lots of good things, we see so much that is wrong with it, don't we? Natural disasters, chaos, sickness and frailty, discord, things and systems that are broken. And it's not too long into Scripture before we, we hear about the cause of that. When we get to chapter three, 3, we'll see why that is the case with our world. But I want you to know, and it's so important to understand, it was not like that at the beginning. It was very good. As most of you know, I'm a Belfast person, and Belfast people get a wee bit defensive about the whole Titanic thing because there's a lot of pride attached. It was made in Belfast, and the pride extends to that massive big building down in Titanic Quarter that celebrates its creation. It's, it's being made at the shipyard. And yet, we can't hide the truth about what became of the Titanic on its maiden voyage. It didn't exactly have a great track record. And so, the way in which Belfast people deal with that is with humor. A joke that originated in the shipyard and which is spoken by people there today, well, it was all right when it left us. That's the standard defense of a Belfast person when it comes to the Titanic. And yet, with the advancing years, with all of the research, with maritime engineers looking into it, here is the awkward truth it was not all right. That there was a fundamental structural weakness, that it was imperfect from the start. But when the Lord God made the universe and our world, there was no weakness or deficiency. It was truly all right when He had finished its construction. And so, as we finish off, some very quick conclusions for us today. And surely the first one must be this, simply to acknowledge and say, what an awesome God. What an amazing, awesome God. So that it's no wonder that many of the Psalms, many of the passages of praise in the Bible make reference to God as creator. If you take time to read through the Psalms, note that. And simply, we should want to worship and praise Him when we consider all that He did in creation. And then alongside that, the conclusion, what a good God, that everything that we have seen in Genesis chapter 1, these foundational truths that it presents to us, the greatness, the structure, the order, the goodness of creation points to our God being 
as he testifies about himself, a very good God. And that ultimately our conclusion should be, therefore, that he is a God that we should want to know, that he is a God who we should want to be close to. And so that brings us to his Son. That takes us to the Lord Jesus Christ right at the end of this sermon. We'll pick up again from verse 26 next week, but look at that verse, or just one phrase in that verse as we finish, and it's where God says, and and note this, God says, let us make I meant to have that underlined, the us, but that's the key word, let us make. So that straight away in Scripture, we discover, we begin to discover wonderful truths about the nature of the Godhead. In Genesis chapter 1, we are introduced to the Lord God. But His Spirit is mentioned as early as verse 2. And then as Scripture unfolds, we're told much about the presence of Jesus at creation. We learn that He is co-eternal with the Father. He was there with Him at the beginning. So, if we come back one last time to that passage that we read at the beginning of our service in that particular verse, Colossians 1.16, we're told that of Jesus, all things were created through Him and for Him. And if He did such an immense job in the beginning, if He did such a a powerful and good job of creation, wouldn't you want to trust Him with your life? How amazing that the one who created all things came to die for and rescue those He had created, those who had rejected His good rule over them, So, have you found this rescue, this salvation in Christ? And if you know His salvation today, then the Bible says that you are under the care of the one who made all things. You are under the care of the one who does all things well. It was good. And indeed, with the very same power by which He created all things, He will keep hold of you for all eternity. Amen.